2: slash This is the Puck Poolies podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Puck Poolies. Matt Larkin here with Stephen Ellis. It's going to be a fun episode post Valentine's Day, we're going to be talking fantasy hockey breakups today. But before we get to that, Oh, a little Steven's doing a little heart, heart motion with his hands. If you're just listening, not watching the Taylor Swift style, Steven's favorite. Uh, so tell me what's going on with your team right now. Are you are you are you surviving? Are you in the dog days? What's what's happening?
2: Well, in both my leagues, I dominated by like a long shot. Uh, one of them I won by like 250 points. Um, the uh, Part of it was because the guy I faced, he, he did the auto set lines. He was a little busy, wasn't able to go and go fully like do a lot of detailed line switching. But with the auto lines, for some reason, it put uh, Austin Matthews as a healthy scratch on both his hat trick nights. So that made that really easy for me. Uh, that was kind of a dominant victory. Uh, I'm already starting off uh, pretty good this week. Um, I think, uh, yeah, because I had... Um, Eric neck. Yeah. What? Six points. And JT Miller had a hat trick in the same game. So I've, I've almost clinched the week one day into the week. It's a like, wild game. And that's good because I, I like last week I beat the third place team, the first place team lost. So that's good. And while I have this one last minute, uh, I want to say the Daytona 500 uh, finish was disappointing. That's it. How about you?
0: Well, I'm finally achieving my goal. My team is finally bad enough that it's starting to sink. And I I think I'm safely out of the playoffs now, which is what I wanted. Didn't want to lose a keeper. And uh, I because I noticed my dad's team, he and I were both kind of like decent, but not great. And we thought one of us should just like make a big trade and load the other guy's team up. Not a collusion trade, because make a real trade. But like neither of us is good enough, but maybe one of us could be good enough. And I thought his team looked actually pretty good. So I said, why don't I... Why don't I pack it in this year? I'll make it a seller trade. And I gave him Darnell Nurse, Ovechkin, and Drew for Tage Thompson for, for next year. We'll talk about Tage Thompson more on the show. But for next year, I feel good about Tage Thompson. Uh, but that finally has started to work. So I, I'm sinking. I have just one really important game left, though, against the guy whose first-round pick I acquired. So I need to beat him because I want that pick to stay low or to stay high I should say. I want him to stay low so the pick stays high. So that's like my that's my Stanley Cup in a couple of weeks. Other than that, I'm just playing out the string now. But Stephen, there are a lot of people listening who are not playing out the string and they need our advice. So let's get to the pickups.
2: All right, let's start off here with a shallow pickup. Wyatt Johnson, 68% available. Now, if I'm correct, he did fall down to the third line recently and there were some people concerned. I'm not personally concerned. And uh, that's why he's a good option here for the shallow pickup.
0: Yes, he did fall down to the third line, but so far it's not really affecting him. He's just, he's a good player. I liked him going into the season. He easily surpassed 20 goals as a rookie. And obviously we saw he got a look for an extended period of time on that first line with Jason Robinson, Rupe hints There's nothing to say it can't happen again if he, if it feels like to Pete DeBoer, it's a good fit. And even if it's not, this is just a really good team. And if you're, I know it's a shallow league, but he's got 14 points in his past 13 games. I don't think it's someone who needs to completely rely on being on the first line to be successful. Obviously, we'd like to see him on special teams. That is the way for him to hit his ceiling. But I still think he should be owned in almost every league just with the way he's playing because the pendulum could swing back the other way. Even if if he goes a little bit cold not being on that first line anymore, I think you still want to stash him. He's just a really talented player. I'm just a big believer. So you want him on your team, I think, in almost any league size.
2: All right, going from one Dallas star player to a former Dallas star player, Corey Perry, ninety percent available.
0: Yeah, this is a weird one because I feel like I, I remember us I talking on the show recently about Corey Perry and how, you know, it's not really. I think it was a, maybe it was a it was a listener question we had. That's what it was, right? About whether we should be excited about Corey Perry. And my advice was, eh, you can, maybe he'll get string together a few good games and you could trade him. I still think it's true, but. For him to be available in 90% of leagues when he's playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidle, if I was playing with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidle, you should pick me up because they would just bounce a couple pucks off me and in. So it's not really a reflection of Corey Perry's ability in his late 30s, but just with that assignment alone, you have to pick him up. He's also playing power play too. I don't know how long this arrangement is going to last, but you got to see. You got to find out. So pick up Corey
2: Perry. Okay. I like it. This one, the deep pickup, and I've got a story about him coming up on Daily Faceoff later this week. A guy that I think we have two slightly different viewpoints on. Uh, The fact that he's got two goals in the last 32 games is not a good sign, but Tyler Bertuzzi, the Toronto Maple Leafs, deep pickup.
0: Yes, and he's got one goal in the last two games, so that's how I'm going to... wow. (laughs)
2: Yes,
0: that's right. So he's available in 88% of leagues. Um, So we know Morgan Riley is still suspended, but he's coming back soon. Uh, The Leafs while he's out, are trying five forwards on the power play. That includes Tyler Bertuzzi. All season long, I've been saying he should get a look on the top power play unit to see if it sparks him. He looked good doing that in Boston last year. And I think maybe we're going to see a little spark get lit. So he already has a power play goal since he moved into that assignment. Maybe he doesn't keep it. But even if he doesn't, this might be a way to just get him going, get his confidence up, because it's not like he's a terrible player. He's just having a nightmarish season. So maybe this gets him going. That's the worst case scenario, I think. The best case scenario is he stays on the top power play unit if he keeps doing well in that assignment. So either way, I'm not saying you grab him in every league, but in a deep league, he's available, like I said, 80% or 88% of leagues. I think it's warranted to give him a shot and to see. See if he can run with this because it's not like his talent disappeared completely off the face of the earth. It's a nightmare season, but he can still play. So maybe this gets it out of him.
2: Here's a trivia question for you. He has seven goals this year. How many of them have come against teams that are currently in a playoff spot? I
0: don't know. Zero.
2: One, it came in October against Dallas. Wow. So that's, uh, you know, he does some things well. He's good in front of the net. He does things that doesn't get rewarded on the score sheet. That's Mm -hmm. 100% the case. I I don't, I'm just, I'm not, not loving that one there. Uh, And for the WTF pickup of the week, your favorite player, I know you probably sent him a Valentine last week, Kochekov.
0: It's my boy, Piotr Kochekov. For the umpteenth time, he's back, baby. He's available in 39% of leagues. And we know Freddie Anderson, obviously very serious situation with the blood clots. He's working his way back, but it's still very difficult to predict how much usage he'll get down the stretch? What we do know is Piotr Kachekov, 7-2 and 1 in his past 10 games with a 923 save percentage. And since coming back from his own injury, the concussion, five games, 927. So Piotr Kachekov is supposed to be the goalie of the future. And I recently talked to some people around that organization. They they definitely believe that. And it's happening. He's playing great on a great team. What else are we waiting for here? This is the definition of a WTF. I think I said W. WTF pickup. I'm so excited about Kachekov. I can't even talk normally. But you need to pause the podcast and go pick up my boy.
2: I picked him up in my my deeper league, and I've started him a bunch over uh, over uh, Igor Shosturkin this year. So uh, i got to say, though, man, picking Igor Shosturkin as early as I did did not work out in that league, but that's that. Uh, what's your tip of the week? Okay,
0: so the tip of the week, it's a small one because it's sort of going to transition to our special section of the show today. So, what I wrote is just that the time for attachments is over at this point in the season. And my favorite movie of all time is Heat. And I can paraphrase Robert De Niro when he says, do not get attached to anything you cannot walk out on in 30 seconds flat. And you have to have that mentality this time of year. You have to be willing, willing to cut bait, even if it's a really highly owned player who's a big name. If they're not getting it done, it's time to get a little bit ruthless. The sample size is 50 games plus. You can't wait all year. You got to start getting aggressive if you see... If you see a Kachetkov, for instance, out there on the waiver wire, you got to go get him and be willing to drop. So that's going to transition to our special section, which is talking about some breakups and some players that we have to consider walking away from.
2: All right, well, let's do kind of a similar format to what we do to to start the show. And I guess let's look at the the, uh, shallow league guy you want to walk away from Tage Thompson.
0: Yes, Tage Thompson of the Buffalo Sabres. And it comes with a disclaimer that he's going to be fine in the long term. I, still ha- I traded for him in my keeper league, as I said already. Uh, he's still shooting the puck a ton. So I'm not worried about him overall as a player. Uh, but to me, I'm not even that worried about his health. Obviously, he's been banged up, but I think he still looks okay. I think it's just the Sabres as a whole. They're not the same team. They're far less dangerous. He had 20 power play goals last year. Going into Monday's games, he had four. And he had 34 power play points. He had nine going into uh, Monday's action in 44 games. So the entire unit, they're just not functioning as well. And that's important because that's how you set him up for that great one-timer. I just don't think it's working. And I, I'm wondering if there may eventually have to be a coaching change with Don Granado, Whatever magic he had, it seems to have evaporated. Uh, and I, I get you could argue the puck luck is going to be better. And maybe we get a mini surge from Tage. But I don't think we're going to get the superstar version of him
2: until maybe next year. So... In a shallow league, I think it's okay to cut bait. Okay, I like that one. Medium league, Josh Norris of the Ottawa Senators. It's just not really been what we were hoping he'd be this year.
0: Yeah, Josh Norris. He's someone that I usually am pretty high on in fantasy. I think he's pretty underrated. He gets a decent shot volume. He adds in plenty of hits. He can score goals. Uh, But right now, one goal in his past 18 games Um, it just kind of feels like it might be a lost season for him. He's coming back from what was obviously a major health problem with the shoulder last year, and he's dropped down to the third line passed by Shane Pinto. The thing with Norris is I could see if you don't have him, if you're in a league where he's available, you want to, and you have a roster spot, you have an injury, you want to give him a tryout for a week. I can sign off on that. He has a 2.6 shooting percentage in the past 18 games. That should normalize. But if you're someone who's had Josh Norris all year, you're holding on to him and you see a pickup out there that you've been wanting to make room for, I think at this point the season feels lost enough that it's okay to break up with Josh.
2: Okay. This one I'm really disappointed about and deeply because It's Seth Jones. He was someone who I, I was disappointed I didn't get to draft him in my league this year because it's like, oh, he's going to be passing to Bedard and he's going to have those great opportunities on power play. But I guess I forgot... You Know if he's not on the ice with Bedard, he has nobody to pass to. But yes. in general, it's just not been a good year. He missed time with an injury. I was kind of hoping that 37 point thing last year was just a you know blip. He had 51 points the year before, maybe he would go closer to that. But he's on pace for, I believe, like the worst season he's ever had after playing 60 games.
0: Yeah, I think I think everything you said there is bang on, and that's why I have him in this breakup category. He was someone that both you and I were pretty into this year for the reason that you said we thought that Chicago was going to be a bit more fantasy relevant. And really, it's been Connor Bedard and no one else. It doesn't help that Taylor Hall, of course, had the season-ending injury. Also, even just Lucas Reichel being a total bust. So the supporting cast maybe wasn't quite as interesting as I expected it to be. And that is what's hurt Seth Jones. So his actual like if you're in a accounting stat league with categories like blocks and hits and shots, he's been fine. He's been more or less his normal self in those categories. So he he's not a total zero if you're in a really deep league with all those categories, but the offense just hasn't been there. I was hoping for 50 point season, maybe 10 goals, 12 goals. And it's last I checked, it was, you know, tracking for, I think it was low thirties and he has one goal. So I just don't think the lights going on this year because there's no one out there other than Bedard. So I think right now just Chicago is a fantasy black hole for every single person on the team other than Bedard.
2: Yeah. Disappointed about Reichel too, because that's a guy that should have benefited big time, but he's back in Rockford now, which is clearly not ideal. I thought, I thought that was over, but for him to have played significantly better last year alongside guys like Jonathan Tays, than he has this year with just, uh, it's disappointing because the Blackhawks should have like, I don't know. just The Blackhawks were always going to be a bad team, but they were supposed to be a bit more fun than what we've seen from them this year. Yeah. Maybe, maybe next year's the year. Maybe
0: it's going to be Frankie Nazar. Is it Nazar? Nazar. 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 I think maybe he makes the team or turns pro. That would be very exciting. Kevin Korczynski, I think, is going to get better and better. And they're going to get another high pick. Who knows? Could be Macklin Celebrini. And then maybe they'll start spending some of that cap space, too. So I I think maybe next year is going to be the year that we finally see the little upturn from Chicago. Maybe maybe we were just a a year too early on that. But what are you going to do?
2: I have a theory that maybe if Nazar comes, because he's a perfect centerman or perfect playmaker, I have a theory that Bedard's going to move to the wing and they're going to have Nazar be the guy that passes to him because he's just like, he's a really good centerman. He wins a lot of faceoffs, very good two way guy, an outstanding playmaker. And if he's passing to Bedard and you take away some of the responsibility from Bedard and just let him do just what he does, which is score goals and put bucks in the net, I'm okay with that. I I do think Nazar's going to need some time in the AHL. Mostly because he did miss almost all of last season, and he has spent this season kind of just catching up. So he still had a bit of time, uh, like backwards development. But uh, I think that he's going to be a really good player. And the Blackhawks are going to look really good long term. Like Oliver Moore, again, you mentioned Korchinski. They got some. They got two really good goalie prospects, which is very rare for teams. Uh, they got Drew Camesso and they've got Adam Gayan. So the Blackhawks are going to be a good team. Not soon, but like mm-hmm. compared to the Sharks, who might not be good for another half decade at bet at, at the earliest blackhawks aren't too far away and i still think they should be using some of those draft picks they have to acquire some players because you don't need 145 draft picks when you have a prospect pool that good start Mm -hmm. turning it into something that will be tangible long term um but that's it for that uh who's our guest our guest is
0: uh, one of our faves anna Dua from nhl.com is going to come on and help us continue our discussion about fantasy breakups Okay, everybody, we're very pleased to bring back to Puck Pooleys by popular demand. You know her from NHL.com and, of course, the NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast. It's Anna Dua. And, Anna, I wanted you to know that there's been some listener demand to get you back on the show because you just bring the heat.
1: I don't know if you're lying to me. I don't know if you're lying to me right now, but that's going to boost my ego a lot, guys. My head's getting too big right now.
0: All right. Well, it's the truth. I swear it's the truth. Stephen can back me up. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we jump into fantasy questions, I wanted to ask you about the stadium series. It looked like it was maybe one of the better outdoor experiences in a while from what I've seen. Is Is that fair? Did it live up to the hype?
1: So I love outdoor games. I'm one of those folks like I love playing hockey outside. So seeing the sport go back to its roots is always so fun. This one was definitely really special because we had the back to back games on two days and we had all the teams from this area. It was a home game for a variety of different teams and you rarely see that in these type of events. So put it together really well, very close to me. So that's nice for my coverage as well. And you know, these are great fans over here, New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York, the Islanders. They have very, very strong fan bases that showed out and there were some good games that were played.
0: Excellent. I haven't been to one for a while. The last one was in Toronto. That was the last one I went to and I was coming back from the bathroom and I found like there was just a bird of prey sitting on a chair, like an actual Falcon. I was like, oh my God. and There was a falconer who just walked in and said, Hello, this is my bird. This is the bird that scares away all the other birds. And it makes sense. If you think about it, there's no, like, you don't get attacked by seagulls at a baseball game, at a football game, right? There's food everywhere. It's because there's a bird of prey that patrols the stadium. That's what I learned. The last I did not out. know
1: that was this at the Centennial Classic in Toronto.
0: It was, uh, yeah, I think it was called. Was it called? Yeah, it was. I think that yeah. was the right year. Yeah, Centennial Classic. Yeah,
1: uh, that one was cold. That was the first and last game I went to as a fan. That oh, was outdoors, boy. guys. Yes, uh, it was the cool. fans That's that great. sit through it, all power to you guys because that one got real cold.
2: Yes, I'll never true. go to an outdoor game. as a fan,
1: I've, <laughs> I've
2: been to three or four, and I'll never do it again.
0: I was just toasty. I was just hanging out with that falcon and taking, I, I took selfies with the falcon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'm, I'm, go, I'm getting way off topic here. But uh, so Anna, today the theme of this episode, because we're just shortly removed from Valentine's Day, it's breakups. And we did want to discuss fantasy hockey breakups. And I wanted to know, is there someone that you've been attached to a long time that you have decided it's time to let go of in fantasy hockey?
1: Yeah, I know there's some changes afoot in terms of relationship statuses in my fantasy league, but (laughs) a couple of the guys this season that stick out to me, and I I don't know if this is going to last forever for one of them, but at least for this year, I'm kind of done are Eric Carlson and Tage Thompson guys. Like I had a lot of high hopes for Eric Carlson entering this year, just because it seemed like the Penguins were going to make another run at it with their core group. That's why they added him to the mix. I don't know what's going on in Pittsburgh the direction that team's headed in no one can tell and Eric Carlson is just collateral damage no one really expected him to get near the 100 point season he had last year but it's not even been close right now and he's just getting a couple assists here and there not looking like himself I don't blame him that team I'm just kind of done with and then for Tage Thompson He's one of those players that it took some time to build trust in, and eventually everyone had faith. I had faith that he was an elite player in this league. People took him in the first round of their fantasy drafts. He also hasn't just lived up to his old self right now. He has only like 32 points in 45 games. He does have very high shot volume, I'll give you that. So he's still getting four or five shots on goal per night, but I know with Tage Thompson, There's something going on underneath the surface. He's had some injury issues, which is why this may not be like a long-term breakup, but at least for this year, man, if someone has faith that he's going to bounce back, maybe Buffalo's going to go in a bit of a heater with no pressure at the end of the season, you could get decent value for him just trading him off right now because I don't think it's looking good for him to bounce back, at least within this year.
2: So, on the flip side, who is someone you can't quit on? Like, who you'll keep no matter what? For me, it's Connor Bedard, who is actively hurting my fantasy league or fantasy team, but I'm hoping to keep him as a long term keeper. So, I've kept him around, but like every time I put him in, he's getting killed because the Blackhawks are losing. We have plus minus to really penalize our teams here. So, uh, what are your thoughts there?
1: I mean, yeah, it's just his team right now. So, that's the situation for Connor Bedard. Can't stay healthy either, but. He's a no-brainer for me. For my answer to this question, though, I'm a ride or die for this one player. And if you know me, you're not going to be surprised by this. It's Piotr Kochekov of the Carolina Hurricanes, <laughs> guys. Like, I, I love this kid. I When I watch him play and he's playing his best hockey, he looks like a young Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, the individual talent this guy has is unreal through the roof. But he really keeps my heart rate high because he'll have, like, a shutout. And then he'll go and have, like, a sub 800 save for percentage and then he'll have like a nine four five, and then he'll have like an eight two three. so it's just like back to back to back with Piotr Kochekov but the Carolina Hurricanes are a solid squad they're getting healthy they're finally getting their entire team back in front of them and when that happens I feel like they're going to go on a little bit of a run in the second half and Kochekov's going to be a big beneficiary that's my answer
0: Oh, yeah. How do you like them Apple Steven? So, Anna, right now, I feel very seen because <laughs> I earlier in the episode, I had Kachekov as one of our pickups of the week, and he is also my can't quit guy. Tate Thompson was also one of my breakup guys. So, on the same I, page. I, I really, I feel seen, and Steven, just eat that and just let it... I like it Kachekov. It's just you are obsessed with him. He's my boy. Okay? So <laughs> am
1: I. Okay, I'm glad that someone else is. I'm glad someone else is finally...
0: Yes, and it's happening for him, and that's sort of a transition to the next question. So maybe he is the answer, but we're getting to that time of year where it's tough to find the late-season goalie heater that's going to change everything. It can happen, right? Joseph Wool was probably the example last year, uh, but maybe it's Kachekov or it could be someone else. But if you're trying to save a desperate fantasy owner right now with a with a lifeline, who is that late-season goalie pickup that might sort of turn the tide?
1: Honestly one of my answers might genuinely be Joe Wall like he's coming back for the Toronto Maple Leafs rather soon and they need him back I really like him as a player too. him and Kochekov two to the younger goalies in this league that I'm really excited about so him being back in the mix will probably be a game changer that's someone to keep your eye on another answer for me too is Guys I don't hate the Philadelphia Flyers this year like I think they have like some solid pieces they have some young studs I like John Tortorella as a coach this is a team that can make their way into the playoffs they're in the playoff position right now and the guy who's going to benefit from that is going to be Samuel Arison right so it's his crease over in Philadelphia and then I know he's had some subpar performances as of late in his past couple of games, but before that, he looked pretty decent. If this Flyers team continues to be gritty and compete night after night in these games, that's the option they have in the crease right now. And if you think the Flyers are making the playoffs, why would you not have a guy like that on your roster?
2: Hmm. All right. So do you have a player? Cause the trade deadline's coming up, obviously. Do you have a guy you're watching very closely in hopes that they'll be traded and get an ace boost at the deadline?
1: Yeah, I have like three. So first off, this is the big one that I think everyone's kind of watching. Is like the Calgary guys. Noah Hannafin for sure is the one that people are trying to figure out where he wants to go, where he's going to end up. And I think he's also displayed flashes in his past of his potential that just haven't peaked as much in Calgary recently as you would have liked to see. So keeping an eye on him and then two senators guys, the Ottawa senators are really slept on as a team because people look at them in the standings and they look at the end results of their games. And they're like, the senators are a mess in fantasy hockey. It does not matter if you're winning or losing these games. It matters how much you're producing within those games. And the senators have consistently been like a top 10 team in the NHL in goals per game. They have a lot of depth. They're rolling out like three, solid lines right now and there are a couple of odd one out guys on that roster that I think may move and get some boost in a different location and that's Vladimir Tarasenko and Jacob Chicken for me so I feel like those two are the ones that just aren't benefiting from whatever Ottawa's doing right now in their system and there's only one puck to go around and other people are taking that time up in Ottawa so I wonder if those guys move they'll get a boost.
0: Yeah, I think those are great picks. I sort of sold somebody on that on that dream and I recently traded Tarasenko to sort of trade up in the first round next year. So hopefully that that comes true. So I don't look like I just swindled somebody. Um, so I'm curious, Anna, is there someone, I feel like every year there's someone that kind of wins me over throughout the course of the season and then going to the next year, I'm saying, okay, I need to have this player. Is there someone who has done that for you this year?
1: Yeah, I feel like this might be a popular answer, but it has to be Sam Reinhardt for me. Mm -hmm. And it's not just because of how unreal he's playing this year, which he is, all credit to him. It seems like it's the Austin Matthews show and the Rocket Richard race, but Reinhardt also has 40 goals this year. The thing that seals the deal for me is that he had back to back 30 goal seasons before this. So, this isn't like out of the blue. And sometimes people forget how much of a goal scoring threat he has been the past couple of years. And just having three years with that type of scoring ability, that is enough for me. That's like almost like an entire high school career, right? Yeah. So, that's enough for me to prove that you're going to be great. If he stays in Florida, awesome. If he doesn't stay in Florida, I'm still sold on him as an individual after these past couple of seasons. So, that's a guy I'm going to be targeting targeting in every draft going forward
2: i like it so recently you posted something that was quite interesting and kind of scared me a little bit about some poutine you recently <laughs> had or just recently saw i don't know if you actually ate it but i'm not a poutine fan because i just don't like gravy but looking at what you posted it, it, put it this way matt it's because i can't taste most things oh i forgot things. yeah steven can't taste all right fair enough oh. so for for context i was born without the ability to smell blah 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 i all my taste buds well, you can't smell up. anything i can't smell anything
1: Oh, my God. That's a blessing if you played hockey growing up.
2: Exactly. So, like, (laughs) I have to put spices in everything. So gravy doesn't exactly, you know, excite me. I like cheese curds, though. Those are great. Um, But (laughs) I guess, which Canadian food item do you miss the most when you're in the United States?
1: guys I miss everything to be honest I was I, I really do like honestly like not even trying to play a bit here Canada's food is just objectively better with the stuff that they have so I can just rattle off a list all <laughs> dressed chips those are my favorite flavors I like bring them back in bulk miss those Swiss chalet chalet sauce oh, yes, I miss that like I haven't had that in years now and it's phenomenal any candy bar. Arrows, so good. Coffee, Chris, so good. Mars bars, I think just recently made their way down here. And those were one of my favorites. Hickory sticks, they don't have that down here. Love that too. Decent poutine as well. The only thing I think that is like super Canadian that I don't like are ketchup chips. Like that's it. Like that I can't get behind. But anything else, Tim Hortons as well. Like, that's my favorite coffee. It's the best coffee that exists out there. I did look at you. you guys don't know what you have. Oh my God,
0: gone. Anna, you had it. You, you had don't? this, you were, you, you were about to land the plane and then Tim Hortons coffee, you, you missed you the putt on 18. You don't
1: know what you have until it gets taken away from you and you're surrounded <laughs> by all these other coffee chains and all you want is just like a large coffee that tastes good for like $3 Canadian and you can't find it anywhere in New York City. Like I think about Tim Hortons like at least five. Five times a day, no cap.
0: <laughs> it is a very good list. I'll, I'll give you the Mulligan on, on Tim Hortons. Uh, my, it's funny if I had one. If I lived in, in the U.S., uh, it would be a, it would be a liquid and not a food, but iced tea because you go you cross the border, you order an iced tea, and then you take a sip, and you're it's like there's no no the default flavor is not lemon. There's no flavor to it, and it like punches you in the face if you if you forget about the iced tea difference over the border.
2: See, I'll, I'll add this. My favorite snack happens to only be American chex They used to have, every time I go across the border, I always go get some. They used to have them in Canada, then they stopped selling them. Only place I seem to find them consistently are at gas stations in like in the States, but that's my favorite snack. I wish we had it. They again.
1: don't have those in Canada. I didn't know that. I get like off-brand chex Mix from Costco in Canada. Yeah, If you, you want to like, oh, yeah. check that out instead. Yeah, I, I, I've I had some, some of that, but it's not,
2: that's not the real thing.
1: Uh, yeah true fair enough i'll bring you some next time i had to back up
0: i was banned from costco uh by my <laughs> wife well i never set foot in one because she said i wasn't allowed because she because i'm the type of person that will leave with way more than i was supposed to go get
1: oh by by oh, okay i thought you meant by costco okay. <laughs> no <laughs> not banned. With streaking my
0: costco unofficially banned because i just i would go to, to go to get garbage bags and i come home with like you know, pounds of food and treats, and I just can't help it. You see stuff, I'm like a puppy. You just get distracted, you know? But uh, I digress. And Anna, uh, always great to have you on. We love the energy that you bring. So we agree with the listeners that love having you on as a guest, and uh, it's a pleasure. And before you go, what do you have going on on NHL.com this week?
1: Oh, you guys are the best. We have our Fantasy on Ice podcast episode coming out today. Yesterday was Family Day slash President's Day. So we're a day behind then. And then also we have a new series coming up if you're in the States called NHL.com News and Notes. So that will be on every Bolly Sports broadcast. So if you watch your team on Bolly Sports, you might see my face on your broadcast pretty soon. So that's some exciting stuff that's coming up.
0: All right. Excellent. And uh, next time we see you, we will get you a Tim Hortons coffee. Thanks, Anna.
1: Please. I want it so badly.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Okay, great stuff, as always, from Anna. And it's time now, Stephen, to move on to our best bet of the week. And I haven't placed a bet just on a single game for a while. I think it's time to switch gears. And I'm going to try and galaxy brain this one, okay? So stay with me on this this journey. I'm picking the over 1.5 power play goals at plus 115 money for the Ottawa Senators and Florida Panthers Tuesday night. The last time they met was November 20th. There were 167 penalty minutes handed out in that game. Massive brawl. They have not played since. So this is the rematch. You got both Kachuk brothers on the ice mixing things up. If there's if there's any doubt, this is going to be more, more mischief. You got again, both Kachuks are out there. And the Panthers have the second most penalty minutes in the NHL. The Senators have the sixth most. The Panthers have one of the better power plays in the NHL. The Senators have one of the worst penalty kills in the NHL. So if you look at all those factors, rivalry had a brawl, both teams are not very disciplined. You got a good power play team, a bad penalty killing team. I think we're looking at easily two power play goals in this game. And that's why I love this bet. What do you think of that one?
2: I, I, my question for you is which Kachuk player is going to get more points today. Ooh, I don't know. Sorry. I lost you for a second. The, uh, I got an Adobe update that just
0: popped up in front of my face. So I couldn't see you. Uh, I think Matthews, Matthews is on a heater right now, right? He leads the NHL in points since January 1st. So I think this could be another Florida Panthers beatdown after they took apart Tampa Bay.
2: All right. I'm hoping it's Brady just because I have him in fantasy. But I, yeah, I'm like, it's the one. When you sent me this, this is what you wanted your best bet. I'm like, I get it because there's going to be a lot of, uh, hopefully, a lot of fights. If this game becomes a dud, I'll be very disappointed.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, okay. Let's move on to someone who I do not think is going to be a dud. Uh, upon arrival to the NHL, uh, let's hear your prospect of the week. And it's someone I've been waiting for for a while.
2: Logan Stankoven of the Dallas Stars. At the time of recording this, he has not been called up, but we do believe he will be, which is perfect because I actually just wrote about him being a guy that needed to be called up because what he's doing in the AHL is unbelievable. And he was one of those guys where you can watch these smaller players. And he's last that he time he was measured, he was five foot eight. And you could see these small guys and say, Okay, I still believe in him because he does so many things well. He's great at faceoffs. He's great at being a two-way player. He blocks shots. He does everything. So being 5'8 does not matter for Logan Stan he's on pace for 90 points this year in the AHL as a rookie. He's still only 20 years old. Like, that's one of the best under-21 seasons we've ever seen in the AHL. And he's doing it where him and, and Maverick Bork are carrying the load for the Texas Stars, a really fun team to watch, some good depth kind of throughout the lineup. But with him, it's just every time he touches the puck something happens he can put up points in the power play he can again you'll play a bit of shorthanded you'll score at 5 on 5 he does everything so uh, i think someone like him is going to have no problem thriving because when he, the year he got drafted it was he got like 104 points it was like something no it was the year after he got drafted because the year he got drafted was a covid year but he got drafted Gets 45 goals, 104 points. Looks great. Last year, his offense goes down a little bit. He missed some games due to the World Juniors and everything. But he was dominant at those two World Juniors he played with. I played at with uh, Connor Bedard as a linemate uh, for a little bit. But just what he's done at every level of hockey just shows, this guy's not going to struggle. Uh, I think you got to use him right. The stars with Matt Shane expected to miss time. you got to throw him in the top six, give him every opportunity. When it comes to these young guys, when you call them up, I feel like a lot of times they will be a little too sheltered. Matt Savoy was a perfect example. They basically threw him on the fourth line in his NHL debut. He did nothing, played four minutes, made no sense. If you're going to play these young guys, give them a chance to play. And whether Stankoven's there for a few games, I still think he should go back to the AHL but even if it's just for a few games give him every opportunity playing 15 16 minutes a night to go and see what he can do put him on the power play cuz he does so much he actually is a decently physical player for a guy his size and he he likes to play feisty and, and that shows up uh, in the way he plays and I, I was looking through some some advanced stats and some of the hits he puts up and cuz advanced stats in the AHL is hits a lot of times Yeah. <laughs> so same with time on ice you know the crazy stat you never hear of yeah. uh, but he's not afraid to hit guys and i think that's good so I think he's going to be one of those guys that can put up Braden Point-style numbers in the NHL. I think he's going to produce very well. He's going to go get 70 points a year. He's going to do a lot of things really, really well. Um, So uh, if you're in a keeper league and no one's picked up Stan Coven yet, I'd say it's worth it because I think next year he's going to be playing a top-six role with this team. Very interesting, and I did uh, add
0: him today, just in anticipation. Yeah, I added him right before we started the show. I wonder a little bit, like the scouting report. I see a little bit of like Danny Briere, someone who played bigger than his size. And Briere wasn't, I wouldn't say physical, but he was feisty and and courageous and played hard for for a little guy, right? So I wonder if that might end up being a decent comparison. Uh, very excited to see what Stankoven can do. So, Stephen, I think now it's time for some
2: questions. What do we have? All right, so this first question comes from actually from Daily Faceoff's Scott Maxwell, who's an avid listener of the show. So shout out, Scott, you rock. What are some good players to target for selling teams in keeper leagues that have high potential for next season who are keeper worthy, but aren't quite there this season and would ha- make buying teams be willing to move them? Do you want to do that one first?
0: Uh, I think we can both do it. So I have some names, but I know you have names too. So for me, if you're looking like, because there's two different ways to interpret this. So he could just mean... Keeper leagues with high potential as in players that are veterans and established that you could just buy for next year. So I, I think, again, we're going to keep going back to him. But Tage Thompson, I think, I don't like him anymore for this year. But I think he's a buy low for next year. So that's someone I would speculate on. If you're looking at more players that haven't broken through in the NHL yet, guys that you'd be trying to pick up if you're a seller team. Uh, Logan Cooley, I think, has much better days ahead. His rookie season has been a little bit hot cold. Uh, David Juracek, I think, under the new regime in Columbus is going to get a much bigger opportunity and I think he's going to be a stat stuffer in fantasy. Logan Sankovan is on my list as well and also Olin Zellweger of the Anaheim Ducks. A lot of offensive potential. So those are some names that I would consider but I want to turn this one over to you now Stephen as you are Mr. Prospect.
2: Well, I had a few, and you took Zellweger, but uh, one I'm going to say is Brant Clark, a guy that who actually has played pretty decently uh, in the, with the Kings in his most recent call up. I leave it a two point game against the Boston Bruins uh, last weekend. Um, with him, you see the numbers he's putting up, and he's been a point per game guy, which I I, I think only one guy has ever done like over like a thirty to forty game stretch uh, in the AHL at that age of under twenty one. So Brant Clark is. Going to put up a ton of points in the NHL. I still think his defensive game is, is needs some work, which is why you know his ice time is kind of bounced around a little bit with the Kings, where he makes these really good plays with the puck, but has struggled a bit in his own zone. Um, but again, the points are there, so it's something where you could kind of be like, okay, uh, you know, he's a defenseman. He's going to be. Pull- he's shown already at points that he has struggled at the NHL level. Maybe guys aren't willing to take a risk on him next uh, next year. But I think uh, it's something that next few years is going to be a guy that's going to put up a ton of points maybe when drew Doughty retires and he kind of just fills that role we'll see but um i, I like brant clark
0: yeah it's funny you mentioned drew Doughty. that's the thing i always wonder about too i'm like if there wasn't drew Doughty there i feel like the path would be much cleaner for brant clark to just sort of yeah. take over because that that will be his role eventually so it's a matter of just waiting for Doughty to decline a little bit because he's still playing at a, a pretty decent level uh
2: what do we have next and this question comes from herman chow hey guys who do you think is more likely to be traded between Markstrom and Saros? Might pick up one of their top goalie prospects. I guess meaning like Dustin Wolf or Askarov. What are your yes. thoughts here? I say neither goalie gets traded.
0: I think that Jacob Markstrom is far more likely to be traded. Uh, we know the Flames, of course. They've already dealt Elias Lindholm. They've already dealt, dealt Nikita Zadorov. We could be seeing Hannafin trade any day now. Chris Tanev any day now. So I think that Craig Conroy has fully gone all in on the idea of retooling his team. Whereas Barry Trotz, it hasn't happened yet. That's been a team that's sort of in denial. They're still in the playoff hunt. There's been talk of players like Alexander Carrier getting traded, but nothing's happened yet as we're recording this podcast. So I think I'm betting based on this question, what you're wanting to know, I think you got to go with the team that's already committed to being sort of a seller, even though they're in contention for a playoff spot. Um, it's interesting because I, I think The Predators would be wise to trade Saros. And then if you have Yaroslav Askarov as your keeper, that to to me might be even more exciting than Dustin Wolf, but we just don't know for sure that they're going to do it. Saros is still under contract another year, so we'll see.
2: I do personally think Askarov's going to be the better goalie. Long term. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll say about that. I think that as Dustin Wolf's obviously dominating what he's doing, but there's just so many more things that are kind of going Ashcroft's way. And part of that is, you know, he's, he's a big guy. He's 6'4, like he moves very well, he's had this pedigree for a long time. Dustin Wolf, obviously, ward after ward, award. he's going to be a top goalie prospect. But I just think Ashcroft is. You know, he hasn't been in kind of the similar position as Dustin Wolf this whole time. Yeah, he's been a second year in the AHL, but last year was his first year playing in North America. Uh, he he admitted it was a struggle for him. He was just trying to stay focused, it was it was difficult. But this year, he's been just pure lights out. He's a huge reason why the Milwaukee Admirals haven't lost a game in, well, I think, since December at this point now. So uh, he's playing really well. Um, the thing, like, here's a crazy idea what if they trade Kevin Lankin in this year to get Askar off up? Uh, And then they just trade Saros later on because, again, these in-season goalie trades are very rare when it comes to someone who's like a really notable guy. Sorry, Korpisalo to me last year was not notable (laughs) enough uh, given what we've seen from him. But if you really wanted to call up Askarov, I guess the one thing is given how good the Admirals are, they probably wouldn't want to call him up and ruin that season. He's got a chance to be the championship goalie this year. Yeah, true. I I I don't know if Nashville actually makes a move here for the goalies
0: yet. I hope they do because I have, I have Saros and in, in, as a keeper. So I, I would love to see him get traded to like New Jersey. And then all of a sudden he's an elite fantasy goalie again. Uh, but I, it's funny. Saros and Askarov are both examples of how I, I agree with you with the size bias in terms of it being a tiebreaker when you're trying to decide between a couple goalies because, so, and I'm saying that relative to Askarov versus uh, Dustin Wolf, because if you're a smaller goalie, when you slump, the net is huge. And we've seen that with Soros. Soros goes through these mega slumps from time to time. But when you're a really big guy, even when you're not at your best, sometimes your body can still just block the puck. So I think it's harder for the really big guys to go into big funks. Just a theory of mine.
2: Yeah, um, and, and talking, talking to some goalie uh, coaches and some other scouts, the one thing they point out is they just think that askarov has got more NHL-level tools uh, as a goaltender, and specifically the size thing and how he handles, like, like he kind of said, how big the net looks for a smaller goalie. They don't really see uh, Askroff getting out his position as much as he used to. He used to be this wild card who would just drop his stick a lot for some reason, and then just try to go crazy Dominic Kashuk style. He's a lot more refined now, and he's a lot more square to the shooter. And obviously, Dustin Wolf might win the best goalie of the year three years in a row in the AHL. So it's like we're still talking about one of the best goalies that we've probably ever seen in the AHL. But I just think you know, there's there's points where you catch him, you know. Yeah, catch him kind of diving, trying to do a bit too much. But we're still talking about a guy who I think is going to be a top ten goalie prospect in the or top ten goalie in the world. Mm-hmm. Like we're still talking about one of the best. It, we're kind of being, you know, so many good goalies right now coming up, which is funny considering how much we talk about goaltending being voodoo. Voodoo. Yeah, that that's point. true.
0: Yeah, it's a good it's a good time for prospects. Jesper Wallstedt, of course, and Devin Levi eventually should break through too. uh So, Stephen, we're going to finish off the show with the starting lineup, and we're going to make it topical this time. So. Yager, of course, had that awesome tribute last week with the mullet wigs. It was awesome to see him on the ice getting the salute from the Penguins. And this week, we're going to see Chris Chelios's number retired by the Chicago Blackhawks. So I'm curious for you could you do a starting lineup of players who you'd like to see have their numbers retired?
2: All right. Well, I'm going to start off with two brothers, Miku Kuevu and Saku Kuevu. One of Minnesota being Miku Kuevu, you know, a longtime captain, someone who's so respected in Minnesota uh well loved there uh and and played really well one of the best players this team has ever had and was it dallas that picked him up to end his career uh or was it no it was columbus i think he signed with it just felt so weird yeah yeah it just felt really weird to me i
0: forgot it yeah it's like a weird memory i'm like oh yeah you're right i think it was columbus
2: yeah so it's like it's kind of a weird memory but it's like you know minnesota doesn't have a huge uh long-term uh player base to come from. They had not a long-term franchise compared to others, obviously. But I think of Koivu, he's still one of the guys that you look and watch video and there's still a lot of people wearing his number nine in the crowd. So then obviously I'm going to go to Saku Koivu. Uh, And uh, I think that just, you know, obviously he was not one of the greatest Montreal Canadiens players of all time. But I think that's one that's still evokes, uh, you know, a very deep emotional response from Habs fans and other guys have worn the jersey number since mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's been Scott Gomez and Brendan Gallagher, but his number 11, you remember the clips of him coming back from cancer and then having some of the best years of his career. And he played in a really not great era for the Canadians that they have not come out of at this point. And he did so much with so little. Like. All respect to Jan Bulish and Richard Zednik, but they're not exactly elite level wingers to go with Koivu at that point. And I think just very few players, when talked about in Montreal, get the same response that Saku Koivu's name does because of everything he went through. So Mm -hmm. um, staying in Montreal, Carey Price, because one of the best goalies that franchise has ever had, and they've had so many good ones. And they could never get him a Stanley Cup. I almost feel like they got to be like, sorry, we didn't build a good enough team around you. Yeah, we made the cup final a couple years ago, but you were the reason why. Uh, here, we're going to re- retire your jersey number. No one should wear number 31 in Montreal mm-hmm. uh, when it's all said and done. Just a, such an important part of that franchise for so long. And they had a, a difficult few years to start. He was supposed to be the goalie savior. And then it looked like, oh, maybe it's Lack. But then Price ended up becoming the guy that did so much. He won stuff with Team Canada. He basically, anytime he didn't play for the Canadians, he won something. Yes. The, the Calder Cup, the the Olympics, the World Juniors. He won everything except the, the thing that he probably cared about the most. He had the Vesna trophies. He did all that. Probably deserved a lot of Conn Smythe uh, attention against, uh, in the Stanley Cup Final in 2021. That's what I'm going with. It's gonna be a few years until Jonathan Taze's number officially retired. And I'm not missing that. Like they didn't even announce that they're retiring his number, right? No, not that I can no. think of. No. Uh so Jonathan Taze, uh he, he was a big reason why that franchise kind of bounced back. Now I know the Blackhawks are a touchy subject for a lot of reasons, especially for those couple of years and Taze was the captain for there, but we're still talking about a guy that was a huge reason why him and Patrick Kane were a huge reason why the Blackhawks went from completely irrelevant to a dynasty in just a short span. And uh, you see all the the things he did on the ice. He was well-respected off the ice. A guy that just it means a lot to that franchise. So uh, that's who I'm going with there. Pavel Datsuk in Detroit, number 13. I, I wanted to pick guys that I personally watched. I can't mm-hmm. say I watched Yammer Yager playing at the Pittsburgh Penguins, for example. But, uh, and obviously he was just had his number retired. But Pavel Datsuk, Detroit Red Wings, just, I think that he just did so much for, not just for the Red Wings, but for hockey popularity online. Like you see so many guys Mm -hmm. who are trying these skilled moves these days. And so many of them would say they looked up to two guys that they watched on YouTube growing up, Pavel Datsuk and Robbie shrimp somewhat different skill. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Datsuk being this guy that no one kind of expected to be as good as he was being so valuable, uh, Red Wings fans and coyotes fans. They got a good glimpse of him because yes, he was a coyote for five seconds. Um, but I, I think that Datsuk was important, and that's a guy you got to do it. And it's only a matter of time till Patrice Bergeron has number 37, officially retired by the Boston Bruins. You know, I, I don't know what else to say about that, but all the awards, being a captain, winning the Stanley Cup patrice bergeron chara like those two guys when i think boston bruins and what meant so much to that franchise those are the two guys that come up uh to me first so uh yeah those are my picks this is a hard one because i always think that retiring numbers to me is like okay sure i guess but it's got to be like the superstar guys the ones that were so important but i think there's just the, the ability to honor a player on the ice means a lot to the fan bases so
0: those are my picks those are really good picks. I think that's a an excellent list, and uh, I, I I don't think I have any notes. Like I think there are other names out there. You know, Ryan Getzlaf, I'm sure, would be one that eventually would be retired, but because he hasn't yet. Now I'm like, wait, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. What
2: about Corey Perry um, in Anaheim?
0: Yeah, Corey Perry could get his retired as well. Care? If we could just we could just talk about
2: the Ducks. Yeah. All day well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right. But I think that list is is pretty unassailable. I think it's an excellent list, and we're gonna end the show with that one. And we'll be back. Still got a few episodes left during this fantasy hockey season as we get closer to the playoffs. So stick with us and we'll stick with you.